Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly Billinghurst and joined with me is my co-host Serge Boudreaux. Serge, it's day after Halloween. Did you survive? How did the girls do? I I did survive. So the oldest was supposed to be Cruella, then the girls were supposed Mm -hmm. to be Dalmatians. We could not find a Dalmatian costume or even find like white shirts and pants with no logos or anything on it. So we ended up dressing them in little skeletons. So it worked out. This was their first real trick-or-treating. Just seeing them go through the door with their little voice saying, trick-or-treat, and not figuring out how to open the bag. They were so confused, but they loved it. They haven't had a lot of candy or treats. Like they're two and a half. So this is new. And I think I created a new addiction last night because I was putting one to bed and she was sad. She's like, Daddy, I want chips. And I'm I'm like, oh, no, what did we start? But either way, it was really cute. We didn't have a lot of people come to our house. I think we had 16. Was it busy for you? How did it look? No. And so I'm in a condo complex. And I think most kids don't bother Mm. um, coming into the condo complex. Like their townhouses. Everybody's got their own front door. It's not an apartment. I had two. Okay. Two kids. What did you give them? If you only had two kids, what did you give them? I was fully prepared for up to 50 kids. Okay. So I'm like, oh no, take some more. Whatever, take whatever you'd like. <laughs> I've got lots of leftover chocolate. Don't eat it all, right? Like No, no, no. Or... I send it in Brooks lunch. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know a friend of mine, another part of Calgary, she's in Chaparral. She shut out the lights at 450 kids. You know, it's funny. I live five minutes from Chaparral. There's a lot of older people that live in our neighborhood. So I don't know if kids avoid our neighborhood because they know there's a lot of houses with no lights, which I don't know how I feel about that, especially people that have had kids before. And now it's like, let's just turn off the light, ignore the kids. Well, let's also remind ourselves about the fact that there's still a pandemic. Yes. And some families have chosen not to be vaccinated or what have you. I have to admit, though, that my parents outside of pandemic world, they were the family on the street that went out for dinner and the lights were off and they never handed out candy. And so now I'm overcompensating because Halloween for my kids, like your kids, it was a big fucking deal. I would be buying Halloween costumes usually in June or July to make sure that they arrived in time. It was pulling out all the stops. I guess it was just making up for my embarrassment that my parents were (laughs) such downers, like just suck the joy all out of it. It was terrible. So Shelly, this is a special episode because Mm -hmm. we're releasing our topics episode on a Tuesday, which usually is our interview uh, special. But on Friday, we're going to have a special 100 episode. We're going to go through our favorite guests, our favorite moments. We might have Mm -hmm. clips of our favorite fights. And then we'll look back who ended up being right. I think a lot of it, we still don't know who was right or who was wrong. Not that's the purpose, but... I like to be right. Can you believe it? Yeah. I want to be a hundred episodes. Wow. Crazy, right? It really is. 
You know what? You what? look even better after a hundred <laughs> episodes than you did in the past. So Shelly told me something personal that she was going to be doing, and I won't say it. Oh, you but can said, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. Shelly I mean, told Jesus. me that she was going yeah. to get Botox. Yeah. I'm like, you don't need Botox. <laughs> she looks great on camera, and I haven't seen her much face to face, but she looks great. I automatically jump to, you probably mm -hmm. have your zoom filter way on one end. And right. She never realized that there is a zoom filter that is. Oh, no, this is, listen, everybody out there. Here's how this conversation actually went down. Serge insinuated that zoom automatically knows when it needs to beautify the filter for you. <laughs> that was the insinuation is that, oh no, it's automatic, Shelly. There's some sort of artificial intelligence that looks at my face and knows how old I am. No, and that's not what I meant. That, I, I meant it's automatically <laughs> set for everyone at a pretty high level. That's what I meant. Because I'll go on Zoom calls and be like, damn, I look fine today. Then I'll go on Microsoft meetings or team meetings and, whoa, what are these it wrinkles? So tired. I look so tired. Yes. Then I go on GoToMeeting, then I look like I'm 85. I guess it completely depends on the filter. Okay. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that there even were filters on Zoom. So yeah, we're going to go I through swear. your settings after and we'll take a okay. look. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. End. Okay. So let's introduce, we've got some really cool topics today and I'm loving it. I can't wait to dive into this. Why don't you start us off? I read an interesting article and this article goes against a lot of principles that I've had because I've always been a big supporter of frictionless applications for candidates. But this article came up with some really good point. And you can't forget my background is from job boards, mm -hmm. Workopolis indeed, where mm -hmm. we've always been on the side that make it easy for your applicants to apply. So I think there's a happy medium, but if we look at it, what they called one-click apply, job sites have completely ruined hiring with that particular feature. Hmm. Their argument is, so the average corporate job gets around 250 applications. Obviously, with what's going on, that's gone down dramatically. But I've lived in that world that getting 250, 500 applicants mm -hmm. was not below the norm. The drivers of that have been the two biggest job boards. So Indeed and Zip Recruiters both have a one-click apply function that works with most of your ATS. So any recent ATS, there's a good chance that you can activate the one-click apply from Indeed. And what it does is candidates going through your job, sees the job. If it's the setting in your ATS, it gives them the option just to click one right. button and it automatically goes in the back end of your ATS, uh, skipping your ATS completely. What this does is a huge issue for a lot of hiring managers because they're getting too many applicants and now they have to invest in tech to be able to manage these candidates, to filter them, to do some type of matching. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sold that is actually mm -hmm. happening, but that's one of the arguments. And what happens as well is the hiring managers are dealing with too many applications that is causing ghosting. So they're never hearing back. Makes sense, yeah. And then they're applying for more jobs. Let's face it. The fact is companies are not going to stop using Indeed and ZipRecruiter because it's a major source of their candidates. Shelly, what's your overall thoughts? How do you feel about one-click applies? I will all day long say that having to force somebody to fill in 
screen after screen of information and answer anywhere north of 20 to maybe even up to 80 questions. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. When we started thinking about reducing friction in the apply process, I think that's what we were talking about. We weren't talking about making it so easy that someone could apply to 50 different jobs. That does not spell success for a candidate either. You know, if you're going to apply to 50 jobs, all it says to me is that you don't give a shit about the company or what you apply to. If you're asking for garbage, you get garbage. Yeah. Honestly, I love the thinking around there's five things you really need to know about somebody. Okay. Find out what those five things are and have that person answer those five questions. And then let's talk to them because I agree like a thousand applicants means something's broken. If you're trying to fill one job and you get a thousand people, something's wrong. That's not normal. It's just not. No, I agree. I think part of the challenge is a lot of TA organizations or hiring managers as well don't know exactly what that ideal candidate profile is. So their job descriptions Mm -hmm. are generally very general. A lot of companies don't know what they're hiring for. They're using job descriptions from... It's what, yeah, it's the same one I, last, when I, last time I posted this, I got these wonderful candidates. So I'll just use the same one. And honestly, this is where we really need to figure out what the ideal candidate profile is. What are the skill sets that are needed? Really have it pinpointed in your job advertising. So Mm -hmm. the right candidates are applying for your job. There's a lot of things you can do to be able to reduce the time it actually takes to go through. And part of it is filtering. Part of it is also asking the right questions at the start. I agree with you, Shelly. When we talk about removing frictions, we're talking about instead of 20 to 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. that it takes three to five minutes. And I think that's a completely different ballgame. side of it though is there's certain roles that you need to make it very simple to apply to get enough applications so like what well let's use the service is the perfect example right you don't want friction in a very competitive market the other one that i've seen is drivers we know Mm. drivers are extremely challenging and there's a lot of regulations and info that you need to be able to hire that person a lot of people Mm -hmm. put those requirements at the front of the funnel. And that can be a challenge because that reduces your applications dramatically. So where's the happy medium of the ability to get them to apply and getting that information as they're going through the funnel instead of putting it at the front, not getting enough applicants. So make it really easy for them to apply. And that's where one click apply might not be a bad thing if you're getting that basic information. So those are a couple examples. Any other that you can think of? It is those roles that are in high demand. I would also say nursing. And again, nursing is a big category. So your five questions would be, are you a pediatric nurse? If it's no, then send the candidate over here to wherever you want to manage them. Drivers, you absolutely, there's really only a few things you want to know, and you should move directly to interview. It's having the horsepower to respond to people. But coming back to this article, I do believe that to make it easy for candidates, I don't believe a one-click apply or the easy apply. There still should be some sort of qualifying because it, it will bury the hiring manager and the recruiter and the candidate experience. It, it can't be good. 
No, it, it suffers be. dramatically. Yeah. And this is where we talk about there's the major job boards. You're going to get a lot of candidates. I, I do believe for a lot of roles, you need to be there because that's where a lot of job seekers are. But it's not guaranteeing you quality. It's basically giving you quantity, which there's a correlation. More quantity is going to give you more quality. No. That doesn't always happen, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the flip side to it is a lot of companies that I know of have gone away from very niche targeting, niche job boards where the people that are highly qualified are spending their time or communities in, in that sector as well. There's a lot of different groups that you can be part of, and that's where you try to recruit them, source them. Being a lot more targeted is something that talent acquisition departments have a massive challenge. And right now, everyone is just trying to keep their head above water. Any ways that you can get candidates is mm -hmm. great, but it's just causing more and more issues because we're getting tons of candidates. Great majority are not qualified. So do you turn it off? Would you turn it off for certain roles that you're getting too many applicants? Because in reality, when indeed it's all or nothing. So how do you balance that? You know, yeah. so so let me just back up. You did touch on something there that I've always wondered. Is it the talent acquisition departments that are no longer using these niche job boards? Or is it just the fact that people who traditionally would have gone to their niche job board have found that process so cumbersome, and then they turn around and find the same job posted on Indeed? So as an applicant, the last time I looked on that job board was four years ago, the last time I needed a job in my industry. I wonder if it's the after effect of Zip and Indeed, where they're taking it off these niche job boards. And as a job seeker, I'm not going back there. Well, the, like, niche so, job boards are still doing very well across the board, though. And we'll, I don't we'll have get to, it, though. There's a couple of points that you made that are completely true and i used to sell it when i used to sell indeed it's like no one goes to the niche job board they all come to indeed anyway so why but indeed is scraping the niche job board like i think of the human resource association here for our province you have to have a membership and log in to see the jobs posted only for employers posting directly on there so I did an A-B test, client was looking for some coaching, and I said, why don't we try it? Let's post, because you have to post, and the, the applicants can only come in one way, like to your ATS or to an email. And quite honestly, by a landslide, indeed. Interesting. Yeah. So there's niche job boards, but also there's targeting niche groups as well. If you're looking for a recruiter, well, you should be in recruiting brain food, know who's active, who's good. We've gone away in some ways from sourcing directly in this environment. And we know we deal with a lot of talent acquisition department. Sourcing for them means we're going to post it on a couple more job boards and we're going to contact two people on LinkedIn recruiter that might be a fit. And quite honestly, I will defend our brothers and sisters that are in TA teams because they are short-staffed. They absolutely are short-staffed and they're being asked to do more with less. And so the most they have time for, honest to God, is let's just slap it up there and hope somebody applies. They don't have time. They've got 40 open recs on their desk. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Mm -hmm. 
what I mean by that is organizations are not investing into their corporate TA teams. These teams are drowning. They're drowning because they have too much going on. Oh, I know. So that's a perfect segue into your next recruitment insight. I want you to introduce it, Serge. This is super, super interesting. There's this survey that we surveyed HR professionals to examine the state of talent acquisition. There's a couple things that came out that were really interesting. Only 18% described their TA function as top-notch or advanced. This has gone down from 29% last year. So there's been a big drop-off. And I think we can understand Mm -hmm. why there's been a drop-off because we are in really unprecedented time when it comes to talent acquisition. But I have a lot of thoughts around this. I'll give you a couple key points and I'd love to get your insight. So 51% of Uh HR pros say their TA function is progressing. Okay, that's good. 31% describe it as chaotic or non-existent. Okay, interesting perspective. Before I go to the other points, Mm -hmm. what's your overall thoughts on that? Okay, so key word in that sentence, Serge, was they're asking HR professionals about the TA function. So that kind of makes my skin crawl. Because why are you asking HR professionals who admittedly say they hate recruiting? So it looks like a improv is what they describe it, chaotic or non-existent. And so, of course it does, because we already know that HR professionals as a category hate recruiting and it is a specialty, right? So I guess that's the first thing that kind of jumped out at me is... You are right. Why are you asking HR pros about this? Because they don't like the function of recruiting. And there's one stat that came out of this that really proves what you're saying is what 54% say talent acquisition is among the top three HR issues the company faces. Okay. So they only 54% say it's in the top Mm -hmm. three. We all know that right now for talent acquisition to not fall in the top three issues or challenges to me seems ridiculous because the HR pros are going to what they feel is important. This could be learning and development, could be talent management, could be employee relations. That talent acquisition is not even under radar. If you ask executives or senior leaders, talent acquisition is going to be number one for the great majority of them as an issue they see wanting to really improve. Yeah, there's so many holes. I'm just dying to poke my fingers in this. So let me qualify that I've not read this full report yet. I think some of this might be a little bit of clickbait for us because it's really raising more questions than answers. Because the other thing it said is the reason that HR professionals describing us as chaotic or non-existent, they're pointing to the fact that 61% say that being able to find the talent that meets the job requirements is the top barrier to success. No shit, Sherlock. (laughs) Like, honestly, HR believes it's my job to pull these people out of thin air when you have no employer brand. Oh, and by the way, you laid everybody off, furloughed people, and didn't fulfill your commitments on the offers that we had out last year. And then you laid me off in talent acquisition. And so now you expect that the survey most likely being done here in Q3 of 2021. And no kidding, we're not able to 
find the talent that meets the job requirements. So my hair's on fire here because the next thing I'm going to say is tell me why this job for customer service needs a fucking bachelor's degree. So how is that my fucking problem as talent acquisition? It's not. HR decided that we need to ensure integrity within our organization. So customer service people have to have a bachelor's degree. Bias. Can you say bias? Yes. And a little carried away here. Well, and and the flip side to it is (laughs) a lot of this chaos and everything they're describing is HR's fault or the leader's fault in the sense that if you're losing 50% to attrition, recruitment doesn't replace bad retention in reality. And now this is all falling down to talent acquisition. And what drives me crazy is HR professionals. The thing is, if you ask HR professionals if talent acquisition should be in HR, they'll tell you yes. Mm-hmm. But now they're quickly pointing the finger at talent acquisition saying, you guys are not doing your job. We're not getting the good quality candidates, blah, 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 and everything you said. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. It falls under your fucking department, guys. What are you doing? Well, who started the process? When there's a vacancy in an organization, if it's a net new position, if talent acquisition has some teeth and has credibility within the organization, they would be the ones to push back and constantly question, is this still valid? Do we really need these requirements? Because for HR to turn around and point the finger and say, that we can't find the talent that meets the job requirements, I'm saying flip that motherfucker around. It's the other way around. They've made job requirements that are irrelevant to success on the job. Yes. So I I know we're finger pointing. (laughs) Everyone's just pointing the finger right now. And we are in a situation that pointing the finger is not going to do anything. And we're guilty because we're doing the same to HR. Corporate talent acquisition is really drowning right now. They're in a position, like you mentioned earlier, 40 recs, 50, 100 recs. We see all these situations that it's just not sustainable in that sense. And it's hard to hire recruiters at this particular time. How is HR stepping up? We need to figure that out as well. Or is it just easier to blame recruitment? (laughs) Recruitment is always laid to blame. I don't know how many times talking to business leaders, there's so much business right now that we could get, but recruitment just can't keep up with the business we're getting. So we're losing out all this revenue. First of all, everyone should be recruiting. If you're a CEO in pretty much any industry and recruiting is not in your mindset, your company is probably not a good place for a recruiter to work because it's not part of the mentality. But in saying that, we've been talking a lot about different tools. We talk Mm -hmm. a lot about ATS. So one of my favorite ATS, and I have a few. So I've mentioned I love smart recruiters. I love Greenhouse. I love Lever. I love Workable. But I saw this morning Lever, or is it Lever? I I love to be corrected because everyone gives me a different version of it. So they just received Series D funding for $50 million. So what do you think they're going to spend it on? Well, what they're saying is they're trying to accelerate uh, a couple different things. So a lot of top of the funnel type activities as far as sourcing tools to work with it better diversity, equity, and inclusion tools. So I don't know. Have you ever seen Lever? Have you ever played around with it? No, I have not. It's really good, especially if you've used like the Workdays, Pro, Oracle, well, all this shit. That's, that's not hard. <laughs> it's a really good ATS. I'm not okay? surprised that these types of ATS, we've just seen 
smart recruiters get a ton of money, officially yeah. become a unicorn, a billion dollar company. I think we're going to see Lever get there as well. There's just so much money in the system right now that these investors are looking for good companies to invest because everyone's trying to find a solution to talent acquisition and how they can make it better. So the first thing companies do is invest in new technology. Is it the right approach? In some cases it is, sometimes it's not. If your mm -hmm. process are shit, if your whole men mentality is shit, a better ATS is not going to make an improvement, but it will make slight uh, adjustments. So we are going to see a lot of these players get a ton of investment. And what do they do with it? I'm fascinated to see how they spend all this money. They obviously raise it for a good reason. And so back to your question, is it lever or lever? I think it's like project versus project. It's the same thing. I think it's a matter of dialect. It's the first time I've ever heard that, but I haven't. Well, how do you say it? How do you say, how do you project. say it? project yeah. versus project? Does that not sound different to you? It does sound different, <laughs> but I, I always have an excuse, right? I can always say English is my second language, so that's why I screwed it up. So if I screwed it up, just blame it on the accent, shall Well, I? and that's what makes you so charming, oh, Serge. No. It's absolutely charming when you mispronounce words. <laughs> so Friday is mm -hmm. going to be a, a really fun episode. But in the meantime, I think everyone needs to go back a couple of episodes to listen to some of the recent interviews we've done. You have to go back and listen to Chris Foreman. Excellent interview. Adam Gordon was a really good interview. And again, our last Friday episode with Kim Wilkinson was excellent. Kim always brings some good points. So when we get to the 100th episode, you're like, wow, these were some great interviews. So I look forward to that, Shelly. So do I. So you have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll say leave or lever. There you go. <laughs> Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.